Hey everyone, quick note before you start the episode. The audio is a little bit spotty. We were down to one mic. We apologize. Uh, hopefully you can fight through it and enjoy the episode regardless, but just wanted to let you know in advance. Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to the Late Breakers podcast. Today we will be discussing Italian Grand Prix at Monza. Devilish B. So last weekend, we were at Monza, Temple of Speed, uh, a great weekend overall, one of the spring weekends, which is always something different, something new. I'm not sure if it's something good, but I'm sure we'll get into that. Uh, but we'll kick it off today, just dive into Monza, and then we'll go into some segments. So without further ado for Monza, we'll start with qualifying. I think something that was very clear and, and seen throughout qualifying is that Merck seemed to have a bit of a power edge. Uh, but they didn't take advantage of it. Yeah, that was to be expected coming in, really. Kind of people thought that Mercedes would have the pace advantage. Um, but yeah, a bit of a Bottas was definitely out there, but didn't necessarily flow through the entire weekend. Yeah. So the final outcome of qualifying was Valtteri P1, Lewis P2, Max P3, Lando 4, and Daniel Ricciardo uh, in fifth with a very impressive run that we haven't seen from Daniel too much this year. But I want to focus on Max quickly. P3 uh, didn't look that great through a qualifying, but it seemed like he really took advantage of the toe, and they really sacrificed Perez to toe Max. Just a blatant sacrifice of Sergio Perez, which isn't surprising at this point, but um, yeah, just a pretty blatant one there. And I guess with having kind of the speed deficit, it makes sense that you want to get at least one of your cars up there, and Max is a notoriously good starter, so it makes sense to kind of have him up there, but that's a tough one for Perez. But the toe in general, the toe just seems like something that they should have yeah. fixed by now, and it's one of those things that in F1, they just kind of let it go, but and it's just like a tactical thing, which I like, but it's such a big advantage. Like here, it was like almost a full second or yeah. something. Like, that was crazy. Yeah, the toe is stupid as fuck. <laughs> Here's the thing with the toe. So they factored in around Monza's about seven tenths. So like a massive difference, especially in qualifying. So then everyone's trying to get the toe because without it, you're effectively not competitive. And the way the grid is, seven tenths can get you like out of Q3 even. Like you can go from one to 11. It's a massive difference. If you don't have that. So it just creates like such an issue. But I think like the wider scale issue is how messed up qualifying is when you have a track like I, I mean, I don't know them all at the top of my head, but obviously a toe is a factor, but at Mons, it's a huge factor. And the last two years, there's been these issues with like massive sort of lines, the queues, as they like to call them. They're in the queue. They're in the queue waiting to drive. So does it beg the question, should all the cars be on the track at once? Should we move to like, I don't know, like one-off qualifying? Like, how do you change the toe or is it worth changing? I don't know if it's worth changing. Maybe it's something where the order that the cars have to go out is regulated and they just kind of rotate through. So, like, you can't necessarily tactically get an advantage from the toe. I don't see how they would kind of go to somewhere where everybody's out of the track separately. But if they did something where one week the Williams had to be out first, kind of sacrificing the toe, and otherwise it got mixed around, maybe that would be it. But, yeah, the queue is just ridiculous when it builds up. And I don't know how to fix it either, but... It's insane. It seems like F1 doesn't know how to fix it either, that's for sure. <laughs> but it, it's such a it's such a hard thing because it's like you, it would be more boring to watch one car go at a time, but that's really the only way to get rid of this toe issue. And the only reason I care about the toe is that it really eliminates like driver talent. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I watch F1 because I'm like, that's messed up that they can do this. And then it's like, oh, this guy beats that guy because he's just following his partner. Also, Red Bull didn't enjoy the fact that, and I don't know if this is true, I don't know if they were actually working this sort of pit wall angle, but the commentators mentioned that they wanted to essentially leverage Pierre Gasly in P3 as a secondary toe. 
for Max. So Max was actually ripping behind two toes, which I don't I don't like that Red Bull has that power with like a direct sister team when toes are that powerful. Yeah, that's that's a little insane. And I don't even know what those conversations would look like where Horner's like going across the Alpha Tower team and saying, like, you gotta set up another one. Because that just seems like it should be like a clear breach of some kind. But I kinda like it. It's tactically strong. Yeah, I think I'm cool with it like in teams, because often <laughs> they like will rotate, like you'll go one, I go one. But across teams with a toe, we can't be doing that. That's illegal. I don't like it. So anyways, Max gets a Fugazi P3, whatever. He sucks. Um, other surprises in qualifying, uh, Pierre Gasly, P6, was supporting my winner pick. Doing a great job. He was still in it at that point. He was in it. Didn't have the toe, because he's a beauty. Uh, Geo with another Q3. Uh, he's fighting hard. He's just driving it. Absolutely. Yeah. A quick cleanup from our last episode. We uh, were speaking as if Antonio Giovinazzi losing his seat was a foregone conclusion. That is not the case. Uh, it's that's a premature my, slander. Yes, that's my fault for reading the headline on a Guan Yu Zhou article incorrectly. <laughs> uh, so I apologize for that. But driving the wheels off the car since we told him that he lost his seat. He must have heard it. Got pretty pissed off. He's just been flying. I want him to keep the seat. I think that would be cool. If he storms back, it would be great. Uh, and then the last note I had is just on Sergio Perez. I mean, he didn't have the toe. <laughs> he was effectively thrown to the wolves. Um, but I, I, I wonder, like, what that dynamic is like for him. You know, I guess he's kind of enjoying the fact that he has the ride and. Maybe that's why he got signed back for this like dutiful acceptance of bullshit. But <laughs> that's a tough run for for Sergio, uh, and and really he never got it back on on his turn. I think Sergio might actually like it because he gets set up in these situations on Sundays, like we talked about last week, or when he has these bad quote unquote qualifying performances, he can just fly through the pack. And so for him, because it's not his fault. He gets a pretty good-looking Sunday, and I don't know if he wants to win races. It seems like he doesn't really care, and so maybe maybe he's okay with it, but it seems like a pretty fucked-up dynamic for sure. Yeah, I don't know. I feel bad for the guy almost starting P8, though. is isn't too bad, but uh, not the best day for him at the end. But, um, all right, well, we'll move on from qualifying into the sprint. So for those of you who are a little bit uh, unaware of sort of the sprint format, uh, normally, qualifying occurs Saturday morning, and then we go into the race on Sunday. For these sprint weekends, uh, qualifying is Friday afternoon. The sprint is in place of qualifying, uh, where they effectively run a, a race that is, I believe it's sort of one-fifth the length of the regular Grand Prix, and then that will determine the order for the actual Grand Prix. So the sprint race goes down, and the results are baffling from qualifying. We have Valtteri in P1, Max P2, Daniel Ricciardo P3, Lando P4, Lewis P5. Lewis is starting. What was he doing? Lewis, I don't know. Maybe he just got caught up in his head. But that was absolutely dog water on the start. Just He may not have pressed the accelerator, I don't think, because he just got left in the dust by the McLarens. I feel like Lewis has had like bad starts all year. He has. And it's... It's been a couple times where he just happens right behind him and he just dusted him at the first corner. And it's kind of the same thing. Here. I feel like it's, and it's every time he's like in front of Max. Like if Max is in front, he usually starts fine. But then when Max is like one behind him, he's so worried about Max like breathing down his neck that he just blows the start. Which is fair. Having Max there would be absolutely terrifying. Fair, but like you'd have to think that like he's done this so many times, just do it again. Maybe he's losing a step. You have to ask the question. Yeah, but anyway, so Lewis basically just puts the car in reverse off the start of the grid <laughs> and gets passed by both McLarens, and then that settles in the order basically for the rest of the sprint. Um, so let's talk Valtteri Bottas. Uh, with a great drive through qualifying and now through the sprint, P1 is absolutely killing it, really showing us speed. Unfortunately, he has an engine penalty, so he ends up dropping actually from first back to 20th. Uh, is this VB with a new fire, or is it just a new engine in the back of his car? I think it's the same old Valtteri. It's just he's got a bit more confidence now. I think maybe he's a bit freed up by the fact that he's 
he's gone, and he doesn't need, need to deal with the fact that that decision's being made in the background. And we always knew he kind of had the pace. But the coolest thing, or the most ridiculous thing, was when he was celebrating as if he got pole position, when he knew he was going to the back, to the back of the grid. Yeah. He came off, and he was like, that's a pole, boys, here we go. And it's like, no, Valkyrie, you're starting in 20th. Maybe he just likes the stats. It was weird, because it's like, I like the, how Mercedes sort of played it, where like putting Valtteri out as sort of a sacrificial lamb in this race made sense, so he could like steal points from Max. I thought they they were obviously thinking they'd go one two, sort of Lewis Valtteri, but he definitely was just driving the wheels. Like he seems free, like you said, like he just doesn't care anymore. He's got nothing left to lose. He's driving with house money, and he looked good like all weekend, despite the engine penalty. So very exciting for VV uh, and a great sprint. But yeah, starting from twentieth due to the engine penalties. Uh, and based on that, Max Verstappen inherits pole for the Grand Prix. And oh, I just have a strong drive. I just nice. have a note, I literally hate you. <laughs> because it seems like no matter what, he isn't he starts the race in first, or he starts in second and Lewis puts it in reverse on the line. I'm done with it. I hate it. He's just a tactical genius. He's got the double toe. Knows that Valtteri's going to the back. He knows he can just sit there in second and get there. It's a ball played by Matt. He finally gets beat, and then he gets just inherits P1. I literally hate him. Yeah, that was very undeserved. Yeah. I have to admit. Literally, just I can't even. I can't get over it. It's like every time it's inevitable. He is Thanos. It is inevitable. What um, were your thoughts on the sprint in general? Did you like it more or less than Silverstone? You yeah. warming or cooling on it? I, I don't like the sprint. To be honest, it's just like a blanket. I. I like that F1 kind of came out and said why they want to do this. And they said it was to make the weekends more exciting, but like everyone knows it's just because they want to make more money because right. if they can sell tickets for Friday for qualifying, that means they get an extra day of sales, extra day of people getting pissed drunk in the stands. I appreciate that. You know what I mean? They're trying to make it a spectacle. Unfortunately, I think the sprint just doesn't work because it's not the end all yeah. It needs to be self-contained from the actual Grand Prix. So I think the only way to fix it would be to qualify, and then that sets it for the Grand Prix. And then you can just do a sprint race, whether it's a reverse grid or regular, and just make the points less and just tell them to drive like crazy. Because because it sets the grid for the Grand Prix, no one wants to drive. Yeah. Like, they all just play it safe. When I was watching that sprint race, I was getting less excited for the Sunday race. Because I was like, oh, you clearly can't pass that much. Like, nobody's really doing anything. Is this what Sunday's going to be like? Yeah. And I think it was obviously just because nobody wants to risk it. But I I did do exactly what F1 wanted, which was I did tune in on Friday, like, more excited because of that. And I obviously watch qualifying anyway when it's normal on a Saturday. But I was kind of tuning in for the entire weekend a bit more excited. So yeah. maybe that's what they wanted. I think it's like the classic, like, they have me no matter what. So, like, I was there for qualifying. I was there for the sprint. I'm there for the race. But, like, I watch qualifying, and I'm like, oh, but I know that this means less now because of the sprint. Then yeah. I watch the sprint, and the whole time we're in the sprint, basically the sprint is one lap. Yeah. And then as soon as that lap is settled, that's it. That's it for the sprint. Like, you might get one or two changes on the grid. That's about it. Uh, and then everyone's just going to hold fast unless you're, like, unless you're in, say, Williams, and you're fourth, then you're driving, like, mad. But the rest of them are usually up there anyway, so they're just kind of holding fast, which I don't love. And then the other thing, too, like you kind of alluded to, it gives you almost too good of a preview of the race. Yeah. Like, if you see it for 20 laps in a sprint, it's not going to look a lot different when you see it for 50 laps the next day. So we learned, like, the McLarens are fast enough to effectively stay in front of someone. And not really get away, but not get past. And then that's exactly what happened on Sunday. <laughs> correct, correct. So but, uh, I don't love it. Yeah. F1 generally has an issue that the first lap is sometimes the most exciting part of the entire spectacle, yeah. which, if you think about any other sport, would probably be a problem. So I like respect that they're trying to double up on that and we get two first laps effectively kind of thing, which is good. But, yeah, as you said, it's probably not it. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I respect the idea behind this sprint. I, they're trying to make more money. They're trying to make it more exciting. And I like the fact that they're, like, trying something. Yeah. Like, that's cool. Because, like, other sports just don't try things. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, that'll never work. Oh, I don't like that. And then they never do it. 
we're like, this is, as far as I know, it was like, yeah, it's been an idea in the past, but they were like very quick to just be like, let's try it for three races mm-hmm. and see how it goes. So I like that aspect of it that they're willing to try. I just think it's clear to me that it's not that great. And I would like them to adjust or do something different for next year. Is my, my thing. Adapt or die. Exactly. Um, but beyond the sprint, we can go on to Sunday, the Grand Prix. So, I mean, there's no need to bury the lead here. Uh, the biggest news coming out of the Grand Prix is a McLaren 1-2 finish with Daniel Ricciardo taking home a win. Daniel! Lando Norris following up in second. Get in there, Daniel. Daniel, yeah, what a comeback. I liked his post-race where he said, for everyone who thought that I went away, I just really stepped aside. And that was like a cool moment, but he kind of has been proving it a little bit more lately. And it was a, I thought an awesome race. And Daniel was pretty perfect. Yeah. Honestly, those post-race messages, it's a really tough line to toe there. Like when VB won last year, he was like, for everyone that doubted me, like, fuck you. That wasn't <laughs> cool. Like, that wasn't cool. But then Daniel does it, and it's just dripping with swag. Like, it's so sick. I think the natural place to start, though, is the start when Daniel just absolutely said goodbye to Max and just pumped him on the first corner, yeah. which was something you never really see. And the thing with the start, too, that was cool is like they both got away well. Yeah. And then Daniel just second, third, fourth gear, just right, by, right beside Max, like right down the inside. And from then on, I mean, like it was Daniel's. I think he led like almost every single lap of the race, sands, pit stops. Uh, yeah. But he really just took it home from the start. Yeah, I actually thought one of the most impressive parts was, and you kind of alluded to, to it before, the McLaren's obviously had the pace to stay ahead, but he didn't make any mistakes in that first stint, uh, which really set him off. If he had made any mistakes, Max would have been by and away. And credit to Lando, too, who was holding Lewis behind, I think, for that first stint. So that was a really impressive, like, just driving performance yeah, and that's a thing too. I found like when Oak, like when Esteban Ocon won, it was a lot of like, oh, he didn't make any mistakes, so you can't sort of invalidate his win. This is like to me a completely like step up in Daniel's win because not only did he pass, who is effectively the best starter on the grid, gets ahead and then doesn't put a foot wrong. Like he had to earn his position, and then he held it down. Where like Esteban kind of fell ass over face into right. first place. And uh, this uh, is a different thing. Daniel was also against the fastest or one of the fastest yeah. cars like behind him. So yeah, just really impeccable performance and nice to see DR back out there. Yeah, and that was the other thing I wanted to know. It seemed like I don't know like about you, but it seems like every time a race ends it's like a Max or a Lewis win just like going through the motions. And then like when when Ocon won it was like a whole shebang. But then when DR wins it's like everybody <laughs> is so high. <laughs> Everyone was fucking ecstatic. Yeah, they're drinking beers out of shoes, and like the whole McLaren garage is just going ape. I, I love it. I thought it was great. Uh, what do you think fresh. Daniel Ricciardo did on that Sunday night? Like Monza, I think is like near Milan. Like, what do you think? What do you All think he actually got up to? He can speak Italian. Yes, that blew the broadcasters away. Also, small cleanup from last uh, last episode. We said Antonio Giovinazzi was the only Italian on the grid. We didn't know DR had it in him. That was insane that he just whipped that out. Yeah, it was. And it, I don't think the Italian was great, like through most of what he was saying. But then right at the end, he really hit a groove and everyone was <laughs> freaking out. I didn't know what the hell he was saying, but it seemed like he knew what he was talking about. No, I have absolutely no idea what Daniel did at night, but I know. I think like, I don't know. Some I, don't know down. <laughs> I don't know that I want to know. Yeah, it would have been some, some things that you would have looked away when you saw them. Yeah, for sure. Daniel doesn't seem like the most. Uh, PG party. Let's put it that way. He's uh, a wild boy for sure. I think we need to talk about Lando though. Monsieur Lando. Because I think Lando like might be getting a bit too entitled for his own good. He's like obviously he's Zach Brown's son, so like he feels like he has something. Lando the Brown. way he was acting, like on that those last few laps was a little bit crazy. Yeah. I mean it's weird because Part of me is like the first time Lando asked, like, hey, is it better if we switch? <laughs> I'm like, okay with Because it was early in the race, and you'd have to think, like, McLaren's not really used to the idea that, like, we're going to stay in front. 
So maybe like putting Lando up front gives us a chance for a win. Right. And DR filled up. So maybe. But then it definitely got to a point where he like kept being like, I think I was faster today. <laughs> like, except for Daniel, but I think I think I had the pace. It's like, all right, man, shut up now. Like, where's where's his publicist stepping in? Yeah, a little bit of immaturity maybe from Lando there. But uh, when he, yeah, the way he was phrasing it on the radio, like, oh, like maybe it'd be better for us if we did this. It's like you just want the win, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but the one-two is pretty historic. I guess we weren't really around when McLaren was a powerhouse F1 team, um, but obviously they have so much history that yeah. it's pretty exciting to see them back up there. Yeah, I think it's a, uh, like a great time for them and, and a great time for things to come. I think everyone... Uh, has seen the McLaren uptick in the last couple of years, and with the new regulation changes, great driver lineup, great power unit now, working with Mercedes. Uh, I think they have all of that sort of uh, ingredients for a potential championship concoction in the future. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. But this is a great start. Uh, and hopefully, Daniel and Lando can keep it together, though. We're starting to see some <laughs> potential fishers. Exactly. That might be. Netflix uh, is licking their lips. Oh, my like, goodness. They're Net- ready. Netflix is just waiting for them to be championship rivals and, uh, and let that boil over. But speaking of championship rivals, let's go to the second largest news story, uh, but definitely the largest news story in regards to the championship. Max and Lewis crash out, crash into one another uh, around the first chicane. Who do you think is at fault? Is someone at fault? What were your thoughts on the incident? I default, I think, to the stewards here in terms of actual fault, because I think my knowledge kind of caps out in terms of the actual regulations. But to me, it just looked like a classic Max, believing he's the only car on the road, believing he always has the right of way, and just kind of throwing it in there when he shouldn't have. So I'm pretty fine with the Max penalty, I think. It was pretty tough to know in the moment, and I think like ultimately they probably have some blame between them, but I don't know. It just seems like if this doesn't happen to Max now, he's going to keep doing it, and it might just get more dangerous. So I was pretty fine with the penalty overall. What do yeah. you think? Yeah, I'm perfectly fine with the penalty because the <laughs> man is me. Uh, I think the three-place grid penalty is fair. I thought it was like a little harsh, but then I heard that the rationalization is that a three-place grid penalty is equal to a 10-second penalty. Right. And because they weren't in the race, he couldn't serve it in the race. So effectively the same punishment that was doled out in Silverstone to Lewis uh, is being given to Max for Sochi. So I think that's fair from that sense. That being said, I think this is 100% Max's fault. <laughs> uh, this to me is like very much like I'm obviously like the pod is calling the kettle black here because I thought the first incident was a race incident. Uh, the thing that like, I thought was not necessarily different or not that it matters, but lap one, so not the first chicane, but the second chicane, Hamilton was like legitimately front wheel to front wheel with Max pushing for second, and they're right beside one another, and Max pushes him off the road, and Hamilton bails out. So it's like this time, Hamilton has position, and he's just holding fast. Like, I think you asked me a question a long time ago that, like, does Max sort of play by his own rules? Is he like overly aggressive? I think that was like a clear delineation between the two, 20 laps apart, where like Hamilton was not willing to throw it into the side of Max and ruin his race, and Max was more than willing to be like, I'm not moving, and then like almost kill him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's tough. I think it's, yeah, it's a cultural thing, I think. I think Max has done it so many times now that he like just thinks that Hamilton's gonna move out, and good for Hamilton for not, I guess. Almost got his neck snapped in the process, but. Um, I don't know. Max, like, I think Max A has, like, the emotional maturity of, like, a toddler and then also just doesn't have a great idea of what the big picture is because maybe this was a tactical foul, but I don't know. Chucking it in there just seemed a bit irresponsible. Yeah, I, I just think it was, like, it was just that comparison that, like, annoyed me. I think the actual crash itself was, like, oh, you could see it either way, but the fact that, like, Lewis is showing, like, hey, when you're a little bit ahead and I have to move out of the way, I'm going to do it. So, like, I expect the same in return. He did not receive it. They both crash out, and it benefits Max in the long run because this is meant to be a Mercedes track. You know, they were going in with a damage limitation mindset, and they limited the damage by creating additional damage. Right. Uh, do you think that Max 
had any kind of thought that Lewis was going to get away and possibly have a better result and throw it in there? Or do you think it was an in-the-moment thing? I think, like, they both, like, both incidents, Silverstone and this, are the exact same, where they look at it and it's like, I have, like, a 25% chance of doing this, even though, obviously, Lewis and Silverstone was going to be. They're like, <laughs> I don't know if this is going to work, but if I don't do this, I'm going to lose. Yeah. So I might as well, we might as well both go down. Yeah. Like, that's better for me. And I think that's just, like, there's literally no way around that based on how the championship and like the point system is set up. Like yeah. if they're beside one another, it's it's genuinely beneficial for Max to crash. Right. So why wouldn't yeah. you? I don't think he does that calculus in his head. I don't think there's any time. To, like the precursor yeah. to this, which we didn't really discuss, was Max had a slow pit stop. And yeah. then that put him back further in the traffic. And when Hamilton was coming out of his pit, had come out just ahead of Max. And yeah. so I think that Max was still fuming after that slow pit stop, um, saw Hamilton ahead of him and said, I got to make a move now and did it. But yeah, I don't think he was doing, yeah, as you said, like the gymnastics to get yeah. to the, the points or anything like that. He That's just, the thing. I think it's like you literally have, like it's it's a snap decision. And I think in their brains, they're both just like, go for it every time. If Lewis is the car beside you, Max car beside you, go for it. Because it's such a split second decision that like, I don't think you can make, take all those factors and calculus into account. Uh, but I'm just saying lap one, Lewis pulled out. He's, he's, he's just scared. Like, I think he just didn't want to crash out on lap one because he wanted to beat it. Max was absolutely steaming coming out of the pits though after he had that yeah. slow stop. He was pissed. And I could see the Red Bull guys in the pits getting uh getting whipped a little bit later by Horner. Yeah, and like Max was like on the radio pretty consistently being like, what the hell happened? Like, understand the frustration, but I think it's like it's going to show that like those new pit stop rules are potentially adversely affecting Red Bull, um, which I think, like, unfair or not, like that was the intention. Like, they wanted to slow down pit stops, and like everyone knows that Red Bull has the best pit stops, so maybe that's something that might become an issue for them in the future. If I honestly don't know the regulation changes, so I don't want to be like it makes a difference specifically for Red Bull, but. Maybe because they were so fast, they'll be prone to like mistakes on the new rules. I don't know, but something to definitely look at. I have a new game to play with you. I was gonna, I should have told you about this before, but it relates to this, so yeah. I'm just gonna chuck it in. So I'm gonna give you a couple of scenarios that involve who's angrier. Right. So Max coming out of the pits after a 10 second pit stop with Hamilton ahead of him. Right. Or somebody else. And all you have to do is tell me who do you think is actually angry in that scenario, Max okay. or the other person. Okay. I got four. Actually. Okay. So the first is Max Verstappen coming out of the pits, or Gordon Ramsay when he sees a slightly overcooked steak. Who do you think is angrier? I'm gonna go with with uh, with Gordon. Okay. And here's my here's my take on on Gordon here. Max, I think, gets mad, but understands that at the end of the day, he is in control of this. You know what I mean? Like he can get this done. He can make up for those twelve seconds. Gordon can't put the juice back in that stake, you know what I mean? And that's like, he's done. He's done. You're fired. Or whatever he does. Fair, Here's, okay. Give your coat. I've also been watching some Hell's Kitchen recently, and that guy's got some power. He's unreal. <laughs> he's got some fire. All right, number two. Max Verstappen or Odell Beckham Jr. When the girl he's having over texts him and says that she just had a super clean bowel movement before he got there. I'm going to go with Max because I feel like Odell only enjoys that uh, certain times. Okay. It's not an every time. Okay. Because he doesn't want to dilute the experience. <laughs> and Max is pissed every time. Exactly. Max is, Max is mad A1 mad. We're like, Odell's like, next time. Right. You know what I mean? Max can't get Monza back. And the last one here, uh, Max Verstappen or Dave Hawthorne last Friday night. It was angrier. <laughs> 100% <laughs> me. Rage. They had a we had a little bit of a tiff last last weekend with some some unknown scenarios, but Dave was definitely steaming just like Max. He could relate. My podcast partner was not very respectful of my decisions. <laughs> uh, however, we have we have overcome it through the powers of Formula One racing. Agreed. That's what we do. The pod heals all. Yes. Um, all right. Well, beyond sort of the McLaren one two and the Max Lewis crash, uh, let's talk about. A little bit more VB. So he goes from 20th all the way up to three. He was like on for the win at one point. Uh, he just couldn't get by 
I think it was Perez, uh, towards sort of the mid portion, couldn't get by him. Uh, and that really sort of took off his, his chance of winning. But Valtteri, I'd say the racer of the weekend all the way through. He looked awesome. Just an absolute pace merchant. Did you see that clip of uh, Toto when they thought Valtteri got by Sergio? There's this insane No, I'll show you after. It's incredible where Toto does like the most, the biggest selling and then just deflates when he realizes he got like an extra, an advantage of going off the track. Right. And it's an all-time clip. Yeah, VB had an awesome weekend. Uh, would have been my vote for driver of the day, even though Daniel won. Only because there's like, just a great weekend for Valtteri. That was a good redemption story. Do you uh, think that uh, there's any part of Bottas that is seeing that Giovinazzi is putting in these performances and says, I may ha actually have a teammate with pure pace next year. i got to step it up. I was just going to say, you're welcome, Alfa Romeo. Yeah. For Valtteri Bottas uh, seems to be turning it on now that he's free. We'll see what he does uh, in the red and white outfit next year. Actually, we're not sure of their colors. because we could be know, anything. We don't know what sponsors could be coming back. <laughs> Could be just bright red Coca-Cola. I'm too sure. Um, brief note: Alpha Tauri finished with a did not start and a did not finish to be the first weekend with no points. Uh, I believe they're the only team this season that they sort of had the longest <laughs> running streak of weekends with points. I thought it was interesting that uh, AT was keeping that going. Yeah, uh, it's tough that when you need Yuki to step up when. When Gasly's out of the race, he couldn't quite do it. Um, well, he didn't I, even start. I was actually saying that uh, George only has three less points than Yuki Tsunoda right now, which is pretty insane considering George is in the Williams. So that's And considering they signed Yuki back and he doesn't know why. So that's a bit insane. But Williams with a P9, P11, uh, George in the P9, just slightly edging out <laughs> Mr. Sunday. I'm sure there was some. It. I'm sure there was some shenanigans there from Williams to make sure that happened. Um, but it's looking like Williams is almost closer to the midfield than to the, the uh, back markers these days. Yes, granted, it's been a couple of results, not necessarily a season-long form thing. But if they continue it for a few more races, we could be uh, talking them talking about them in the same breaths as the Alatauris and the Alpines yes, of the, the world. I mean, like, Aston has had a couple rough weekends in a row, so I think they're coming through there. I mean, Aston, like, what's it, uh, Lance Stroll's hitting Sebastian Vettel these days. They can't even keep their cars away from one another, so I don't know. Aston falling, Williams rising. We'll see. Um, all right, well, that's a hit for Monza. Great race. I mean, incredible winner, something that I don't think anyone would have expected going in. And I think that's that's all we can ask for, but we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit more when we do our race rankings. But we'll bounce away from Monza and into the Week 3 edition of the Pettiness Podium. So, Fish, I'll ask you to go first with your number three. Now, my number three is a first-timer to the podium, or the Pettiness Podium. He's been on the podium before, but Lando Norris, or as we alluded to before, just uh, kind of pushing the, the envelope in terms of what he deserves. Uh, terms of cars switching around and things like that. And we know Lando's been fortunate in terms of being somewhat entitled growing up, but I don't know if he can uh, be kind of be so petty behind Daniel Ricciardo when he's in the lead. So kind of throwing out those comments with a little bit of a tone of, should I have some priority here? Lando's just creeping his way out of the podium, and therefore I thought he deserved to kind of get that third spot this week. You can definitely see how the race results impact likability. Right. You know what I mean? You see Daniel back up there, like, oh, I like that guy. That's We've been true. seeing a lot of Lando. Everyone's like Lando. Now Daniel's back, like, oh, I like him. He's fun. He's a good guy. And then people like Lando a little bit less, especially when he's being a little bit petty. So I'm with you there. Uh, Lando might be featured again on these rankings, so we'll keep, we'll keep it at that for now. For my number three, I'll be going way off the board, and I will be selecting the six-judge panel that writes the the power <laughs> rankings on the F1 website because I've never really read these, but I was just looking through the website. And honestly, these are just fucking ridiculous. Uh, and there must be some pettiness involved. Uh, so what it says is that uh, they give drivers a score each weekend, taking machinery out of the equation. And then their scores are averaged across the season. They have Esteban Ocon in ninth. Ahead of Daniel Ricciardo, ahead of Valtteri Bottas, 
Like I just I wait. You know what? Is that this weekend alone? No, no, no. no. This is the season long. Oh, I see. This is the season long. But Esteban Ocon, he's got to win accidentally. One accidental win. One accidental win. And like, come on, DR. He's been bad. He's not been that bad. I honestly just like it's it's just a crazy one to ten that I'm seeing here, and it just makes me a little bit upset. And I think there has to be some headings. There's got to be some sort of politicking behind the scenes. Having Bottas that low is criminal. And it looks like there's a number of British drivers in this top uh, 10, so I don't know. Maybe yeah. there's some some hometownery afoot. That's I'm not sure, but it just doesn't seem right. Also, Lewis is in third. Come that's, on. That's too high or too low? That's too low, obviously. <laughs> Carlos Sainz is in seventh while Leclerc is in Come on, that's actually they are almost, they are literally they are ne- they never have a race where they're not right beside each other. They gotta be right beside each other. That actually seems ridiculous. I don't know. I guess maybe like he put it on pole for Monaco, crushed his car before yeah, it started. Yeah, put it on pole and then put his car in the wall so he <laughs> extra provisional pole. Anyways, I'm just saying these six riders here on my list, uh, you've made it to the pettiness podium. That's a that's actually huge for them. They're on behind the, the scenes to the. Front. They're on notice. Uh, my second is Max Verstappen for just acting like a child all weekend. I was debating whether what Max was doing even was in the realm of pettiness, but I think it's pretty all-encompassing. The fact that he drove over Lewis's head and then just got out of the car, didn't check if he was okay, and just walked away like a child was pretty tough to watch. And then after his tweet was, today was very unfortunate. The incident could have been avoided if I had been left enough space to make the corner. You need two people to make that work, and I feel I was squeezed out of it. Like, he tweets like he's threatening people at all times, and it's just so tough to, like, try and root for Max when he just does these things that seem so, like, unadult, so, like, petty, which is why he's here, and, like, it's bordering on, like, some fucked up stuff that goes through his head. So that's I'm thinking the same thing. That tweet I saw that I was like, I really like. I don't know. I think there's like a level of decorum that goes into situations where like it's your job to just throw like some light jabs yeah. in the media. You know what I mean? But the tweet you could read that, you proofread it, and you still sent it out. That's more damning than if there's a mic in your face. You know what I mean? And doesn't throw into this tweet like glad Lewis is okay yeah, or right. anything like snap your neck with my sorry rear. my tire rolled over your dome, bud. Yeah. Good thing crash helmets work these days. And thank God for the AMO. Yeah. All I'm gonna this is gonna be like a total tangent, but I think it's really like cool that we can like see accidents and we're just like cool. We're not like Oh my god, is he dead? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like I feel like the safety's really there these days yeah. with the halo and everything. Like Grosjean last year, like obviously people thought he was dead, but like he's not dead. This crash happens. I was just like, well, cool, that's that's shit. But like at least nobody's dead. Yeah. You see after it's like if there's no halo, he literally would have been crushed. The most fucked up thing is that until like a few years ago, there was no halo. And they were just driving around with their heads like bobbleheading, just you, waiting to get smacked. When you see the videos of them driving without a halo, I'm just like, it's dangerous. Like, how did someone not die every other race? Like, with a tire just flying across. Literally. Well, I know, like, back in the day, that was the stat. It was like, one in every four, or one in every five people that race had one in their life would die. So, they definitely took safety to a premium, and, and we appreciate the halo. And honestly, I think it looks kind of cool. It does look cool. I'm with it now. It looks weird without the halo. So I'm going with that. Uh, my number two is going to be weird and, and effectively the inverse. I'm going with Lewis Hamilton oh. for trying to back the car out right. when Max's <laughs> tire was on his face. He's just um, committed to the race. That's what I mean. I think it's I think it's a little bit selfish that he gave away the moment of them getting out of the car at the same time right. and seeing one another and what that would have meant for the fans. He knew he was out of the race. Like his car is in pieces there's literally a car on top of his and he's like no i gotta keep trying can never give up petty you know what i mean like get get out of the car let's see some action let's see some george versus vb vibes imagine some helmet to helmet like that would be an epic 
part of the season. So, so talking about he robbed us of that. So he was heading trying, towards the fans. Yes, by trying to get back in the race, he was selfish. He put himself in front of the fans. Well, we know Lewis is never selfish, so that's a bit different for him, but disappointing for sure. It's definitely out of character, and that's why I've locked him in on heading this podium at number two. I like it. My number one is actually a tandem of Toto and commentator number two. I didn't, couldn't catch his name. But they both said that Max's thing was an intentional foul to end the race, which is like an underratedly fucked thing to say. Like to say that he's like blatantly disrespecting the yeah, spirit of the sport. I mean, no, I'm not saying they're not, they're wrong. I'm just saying like to come out and say it is pretty ridiculous. And so I just launched them up there to number one. For that's that. fair. You gotta kind of phrase it more as like a well. We have to consider that it might have been yeah. intentional. To say it is intentional, tough, but honestly, Toto's a go. Uh, but I, I do understand that. It's a phrasing issue. Well, let's just, like, say there had been a serious injury. Like, now they're actually putting some pretty serious accusations. Manslaughter. <laughs> they could be accusing him of manslaughter. Or attempted. That's basically what they said. I mean, that was all, also, sorry, just going to throw that out there. Additional to Lewis' pettiness uh, was him sort of alluding to the fact that he was could have died, which, like, he totally could have died. But it's kind of one of those, I feel like it's, like, all is well that ends well kind right. of situation. And him being like, I'm just thankful I didn't die today. But, like, also, three-place good penalty, please. You know what I mean? The other thing about Lewis. To, to the fire. The other thing about Lewis is that he was at the Met Gala on Saturday. So do we know whether Lewis might have chucked himself out of the race early? So that he could get on a plane to New York and not have to deal with that post-win press. He might have actually instigated the crashes to get out of there and get that that gala so he could be steezing. We do know Lewis likes to steeze on the red carpet. Lewis does have steeze, though, unlike some of those red carpet outfits. They're getting a little too crazy. I don't know. Some of them are sick, though. Uh, all right. I'll go to my number one on my pettiness podium. We've already talked about it today. I'm going with Lando Norris. Uh, to the number one spot. The number one spot. It was tough to hear while he's right, because like, I, I am a Lando fan. I like Lando. I think he's great. And then to do that, it's a like petty. Like He just like asks, like, do you think it's better if we switch? It's not better if you switch. <laughs> you just want to win the race. Petty. I tried to defend him, and I didn't even believe myself when I was saying it. Uh, he might have been faster than Daniel. I don't know. But like, it doesn't matter. That's your team out there. Like, I'm sure if you want to race with him, he might, he probably will be. He's done, he's done this before. But I didn't like that. And then I also didn't love him blaming the Max and Lewis crash as to why he didn't go for it. He came out after the race like, oh, the Max and Lewis like shunt like really influenced me and my my thoughts of going for P1. <laughs> I don't know, man. That that's not lining up to me. I think you were you could have done it if you really wanted to, but I don't think it made any sense. And I don't think you should be blaming anything that's going around. Daniel's a great racer. Like, if you wanted to go after him, go for it. I don't think he would have come out on top. Uh, Do you think there's a chance that Lando is doing too well, that he's losing a bit of that underdog charm? Because that's kind of what happens with Lewis. People hate him because he's just too good, and he's obviously a bitch as well. But, like, Lando's <laughs> yeah. just doing so well that when Daniel's kind of the underdog, it's, like, a bit tough to root for him. The thing is, though, is, like, now I feel like Daniel is the underdog. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's like completely flipped. So like, Dan's in front. He's like, "Oh, should we switch?" Everyone's like, "Shut the hell up!" Yeah, yeah. Dope. he needs this. You idiot! You have so many podiums. Yeah, shut up. Uh, so that I just didn't love that, and then it also really like showed me like how badly Lando wants to win, like in a bad way almost. Mm -hmm. Because Not like, like and like we've said, like winning in F one, that's like a thing. You're a race right. winner. You know what I mean? And I think Lando obviously hasn't had a race win, and he wants it that bad. But I don't think you should be asking for your sort of maiden win. Like, hey, can I flip places with my team? Right. You know what I mean? Like, go out there, beat everyone else on track, and get get a good win that you can sort of lay your hat on. I, I thought that was petty that he's almost willing to accept such a fugue's win. I agree. Just let the R happen. Also, putting Zach Brown in that position, you know that he loves you, and that he wants to. I could have, I wouldn't have been surprised if it happened, but uh, Zach held strong, and Zach uh, took that shoey like a champ too. Yeah, he just absolutely soaked it right in that white shirt. <laughs> yes, wasn't the best look I've ever seen from a from the team principal. McLaren definitely wins like the 
look like you're going to the office outfit award. Like even Mercedes, they were the white shirts, but they're like a little bit more steezy. McLaren with the white shrewd, like short sleeve shirt button ups. The white is just uh it's a bit of a tough one. But such a well branded team. McLaren's just really coming around as a whole. You know what I mean? A holistic team. Everyone likes them like all the way up and like has respect like for Andre Seidel and Zach Brown. And they're doing shoeies. They're gonna let Daniel Ricardo drive a NASCAR car, <laughs> like because that was some bet they had. Like they just seem like they're having fun. That's the way to do it. Uh, go McLaren. Uh, they also took a nice firm lead over Ferrari with these results, which is exciting. So hopefully they can nail down the P3 and hold back the red cars. Uh, I think that's it for the pettiness podium. So we'll move on to our ongoing segment of the race rankings. And just a reminder, this is sort of a holistic race watching experience and each week we'll sort of throw them into our rankings so for me i'm going monza at one this shouldn't be a shock i think this is where everyone's gonna probably put it so monza at one the dutch gp at two belgian at three i think for me sort of the hit points a mclaren win the big crash the crofty and brundle just orgasm <laughs> at carnage like i can't get enough of that. Just, I'm about to get like it's it's that's the stuff you come you come to watch. Uh, that being said, I don't think Monza is a very firm one. Yeah, uh, for one, not a lot of passing. You and I are both fans of passing, uh, which I thought was kind of shocking. There's so many straights, so many long straights. You think like the power hungry cars would really excel, but like you said, the McLarens were like well strong enough to hold hold bar and uh, there wasn't too much passing so I didn't love that. Uh, number two, sprint qualifying, not a huge fan so that's a detractor for me. And then also just a point, one stop races. Mm. I there find the nice. one stops aren't as good, you know what I mean? Because I like, and I think you agree with this, I like when there's lots of ways to win. Agreed. Whether it be the better car, the better driver, the better strategy and one stoppers don't really allow for that. So those are my sort of eggs on uh, Monza. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think Monza goes to first with the caveat that it doesn't have a ton of stiff competition. And uh, it really, Monza basically had everything you would want for a race that you know doesn't have that much overtaking. Like we got some fucked up pit stops, which is always yeah. exciting. We got a crash, which is always something that makes it a bit more exciting. A couple safety cars, things like that. And then an unconventional winner. And that's kind of the recipe for like what an exciting, unique race yeah. is, especially at a track that might not produce it on its own. And so I think Monza brought its A game for sure, and it has for a couple of years now. So yeah, that's that's a great point. An unexpected winner is such an underratedly awesome yeah. thing to watch when you just like you see it after, and it's like, oh my god, it wasn't one of the regular. Yeah. Things, you know what I mean? It's like so crazy, which is kind of weird that it's so crazy to be that way. But uh, I'm going to enjoy it nonetheless, especially that it's DR as well. Or a large portion of the fan base is very excited that it was DR and got the uh, the unexpected win. What are your thoughts on the fact that the cars go the fastest at Monza? Does that do anything for you? Like it's tempo speed. I will say I could feel it like a little okay. bit. I'm like these cars are moving. Like because it's like I think it's like it's literally like they're basically full speed except for the two chicanes. Right. And like maybe they're a little bit slower around like Parabolica. Yeah. But other than that, they're basically going pedal to the metal. Which I think is cool, and like it did look like they were moving fast, which is like exciting. The only thing is then like it kind of takes away like a little bit of skill, I guess. You know what I mean? Like you'd like to see some changing. Who can like, press the hardest? Yeah, on the exactly. Who breaks the latest one might say things like that get kind of taken away by it. But I'm okay with it, and I like it because it's not not all tracks are like that. It's very much like this is the like put your foot to the floor right. track. Yeah, so. If every track was like that, I think it would be boring. But I think it's like a nice, refreshing change to see the cars whipping around the parallel gun into the start finish straight. I agree. Yeah. And the last thing, I guess, is that it had a good start, which is always yeah. exciting when you have a little bit of change. It's always exciting on the, in the first corner. Yeah. So. And then a little Giovinazzi crash in the first turn as well. So right. just pure mayhem all over the place, which is always exciting. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's a wrap for Monza in a segment, so we'll take a quick look forward at Sochi, uh, which is our next race in a couple of weeks. Uh, Sochi, 
doesn't have the best reputation. The Temple of Speed, again. <laughs> but uh, Sochi's a bit of a tough one. Like, I think you'd expect Mercedes to probably have the advantage again. But Sochi's kind of a terrifying track. Any of these tracks that have, like, the fenced walls, yeah. I think it's like Melbourne has the same thing. Like, they just really scare me when the cars are going that fast and there's, like, people trying to pass. So that's what makes my heart beat, and I'm excited for that for Sochi. But, yeah, it's not the best track from a reputation standpoint in terms of producing outlandish results or anything yeah. like that. I think it'll be like a pretty standard fair weekend. I think like everyone knows that Sochi's a bit of a procession, so whatever the qualifying is will probably stick. But the one exciting thing is VB has tended to do very well at Sochi, so, and he just had a great weekend, so maybe new power unit could be feeling it. Um, and I think just solely learning from the Netflix uh, series that it's actually better from P2 or like P3 is like the best place to start. So maybe there'll be some mm -hmm. some confluence at the front of the, of the grid. Plus, Nikita Mazepin coming home. Oh my God. That's gotta be something the, fucked. The Russian Athletic Federation. <laughs> also, just like nothing is better than the fact that the Haskar is just Russian, like, logos. <laughs> so and like, insane. it's just like, no one really talks about it because it's like technically the same colors as America. And like Gina's American, but it's like very clearly just like a Russian flag being driven at 300 kilometers an hour. Uh, but I like that they keep that up. As well. I wouldn't be surprised if Dimitri Mazepin somehow like had spikes in front of everybody's tires on the track or something like, except for Nikita. That's something we haven't considered that perhaps there could be death. <laughs> and like true. Nikita might just like, what if we get 19 DNFs? Like every. Yes, not a finished. Here's the real question. Let's say every single team was like bribed by Mazepin's dad to take an engine penalty. So they all like somehow like it rolls through. So they all have to start like at 20th <laughs> and Nikita starts at P1. How many laps do you think he stays? Oh, uh, two, if that, like you, you might chuck it into the wall on his own at corner one. Do you think Mick Schumacher gets ahead of him by the end of the race? No, I I put it on Nikita. You gotta, you gotta trust him in the same equipment in his home race. Yeah, he's gotta do it for the home fans. Uh, speaking of Mick Schumacher, though, Schumacher documentary out on Netflix. I'm just gonna throw this out there. We're gonna do a little review of that on the next pod. We're gonna throw that in there. Uh, I know we had talked about uh, coming back and doing a pod on the drivers market. We're just gonna put a pin in that, uh, just because not all the seats are decided yet. But even if they aren't, we're still gonna go to that. We just figured it would be better with sort of the weekend off uh, for Sochi. We'll still make an episode, so we'll talk about silly season, all the silliness that has occurred, and we'll do a little Schumacher uh, documentary review as well, uh, ad hoc uh, opinions on that. But uh, I don't know. Is there anything else, Fish, you want to cover today? I think that was great. Excited to see you guys all in Sochi. Sochi, Russia. We've ridden. We've ridden again.